Welcome to the Christ Community Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message, that it draws you closer to Jesus and helps you become more like him. He said, Lord God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven above or on earth below who keeps the gracious covenant with your servants who walk before you with all their heart. You have kept what you promised to your servant, my father, David. You spoke directly to him and you fulfilled your promise by your power as it is today. Therefore, Lord God of Israel, keep what you promised to your servant, my father, David. You will never fail to have a man to sit before me on the throne of Israel if only your sons take care to walk before me as you have walked before me. Now, Lord, God of Israel, please confirm what you promised to your servant, my father, David. But will, but will God indeed live on earth? Even heaven, the highest heaven, cannot contain you, but much less his temple I have built. Listen to your servant's prayer and his petition. Lord, my God, so that you may hear the cry and the prayer that your servant prays before you today, so that your eyes may watch over this temple night and day toward the place where you said my name will be there and so that you may hear the prayer that your servant prays towards this place. Hear the petition of your servant and your people Israel which they pray towards this place. May you hear in your dwelling place in heaven. May you hear and forgive. The word of the Lord. Praise be to God. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Reed. For those of you that I have not met yet, I would love to meet you sometime. I want to thank you for inviting me to be here with you this morning. I want to thank everybody online for joining us this morning. And I wanted to tell you before I start that I've been coming to the church for about a month, and I am very blessed to have found this church where everybody is so hospitable and loving and warm. A lot of times you go somewhere new, like these big churches, and they don't even know you're new. And <laughs> I really appreciate the warmth and the kindness that everybody has shown. So thank you so much for that. Your pastors are awesome. I've known Brandon for, I guess, about a year. I met him um, when I lived in Colorado Springs. And I moved up to Denver last year, and I met Mindy, and it's been great to meet everybody. So thank you for having me this morning. I'll keep it short. And then you can go home and <laughs> enjoy the rest of your beautiful day. <laughs> I'd like to start with a story. This is something that I started doing in Florida. And I learned this one from a guy at my church. His name was Jack Fisher. And this is what he said. He said there was a Texan man. And he walked into a bank in New York City. And he asked for a $10,000 loan. He said he needed the money for his trip to Europe. He'd be back in a week. He'd pay the loan in full. He wanted a low interest rate, though. And so to secure the low interest rate on the loan, he said he would leave them his Maserati as collateral. If he was not back in a week with the $10,000 plus interest, the Maserati was theirs. So the bankers looked at each other, and they decided this is a great deal. So the Texan pulled his Maserati into the bank vault, and he handed over the keys, and he took the $10,000, and he went to Rome. And when he returned to the bank a week, a week later, he said, I'm back from Europe. 
thanks for the loan. Here's the $10,000 and the interest payment of $29. The bankers looked at each other all baffled, and as the Texan was walking out the door, they said, Sir, before you leave, we were wondering, why on earth would you put up your Maserati as collateral on this measly $10,000 loan? The Texan, as he was walking out the door, said, where else can you park your Maserati for a week in New York City for $29? If you were those bankers, that is not how you would expect that to go. But what should they have expected? Life does not go the way we expect it to go. I don't think there's a single aspect of life that actually goes the way that you expect and plan and dream. And if you think about your Christian life, what aspect of your Christian life is so big that it does go the way that you expect it to go? I think prayer is a big part of the Christian life, but even still, it doesn't quite go the way that you would expect. And this is something I'm realizing more and more, that God, even though he answers prayers, he does. But even though he answers them, he doesn't always answer them in the way that we would expect and this morning, we're going to look at a prayer from 1 Kings, and we'll learn a few things about prayer. And when we do that, we'll see that when we pray, God will answer prayer, even though it's not in the way that we would expect. This is a prayer that King Solomon prayed at the dedication of the temple. It took Solomon seven years to build the temple. You think about it, seven years. Who dedicates seven years to one project? That's very rare. But he does. He spends seven years building it. It's finally done. The Bible says the priests brought the ark of the Lord's covenant to its place in the inner sanctuary of the temple, the most holy place. They put it beneath the wings of the cherubim. And the priests withdrew from the holy place, and the cloud filled the temple of the Lord. And the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the temple." And Solomon said, the Lord has said he would dwell in a dark cloud. I have indeed built a magnificent temple for you, a place for you to dwell forever. My father David had it in his heart to build a temple for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. And the Lord said to my father David, you did well to have this in your heart, David. Nevertheless, you are not the one to build the temple, but your son he is the one who will build the temple for my name. Have you ever wanted something so bad? You felt like God put it in your heart, and you prayed, and you trusted God, and it didn't happen. David knew that feeling. He was a great king. He was the greatest king Israel had ever seen, and he wanted to do something great for God, and he felt like God put it in his heart to build a temple for him, but God said to him, you're not the one to build it. And that probably crushed David. You know Martin Luther King Jr., God put a dream in his heart. He did not get to see it fulfilled, but God put it in his heart. Moses himself didn't get to see the uh, promised land. He didn't get to go in. But he could see it from the mountaintop. And it's important to remember this morning that if you're walking around feeling like your dream has died then know this, God sees you. It may seem like it's over and there's nothing left for you, but God sees you and he's with you. And if you're here, then he has a plan for you. 
and it's not the end of the story. God may yet fulfill that dream for you, but even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, it's not an accident that it is in your heart. Somebody in your life may be the one to fulfill that dream on your behalf. And for David, it was his son Solomon. We see it right here. The unfulfilled dream of King David to build a permanent place for God's presence to dwell is finally fulfilled in his son. Seven years of building, hundreds of years of dreaming, and it's done. The temple is complete. The priests bring the Ark of the Covenant into the building, and the glory cloud of the Lord filled the temple. And so what is the appropriate thing to do at a time like that when it's the end of an era in your walk with God? The natural thing to do is to pray. And so he prays. He prays to dedicate the temple to God. This is 1 Kings chapter 8. He begins with worship. That's a great way to begin prayer. Verse 23, Lord God of Israel, there is no God in heaven like you, above or below, who keeps the gracious covenant with your servants. You want an idea for getting your prayer off the ground. You can start with worship. You can turn to the Psalms. Brandon, a couple weeks ago, he refers to the Psalms as the prayer book of the Bible. You can turn there, and a lot of the Psalms begin with worship. You can read one and worship God, give Him glory, praise Him for who He is. If prayer is talking to God, then tell Him that you love Him and tell Him the things that you love about Him. Worship is a great way to get your prayer off the ground. And then he turns from worship in verse 23 to looking back in verse 24. You have kept what you promised to your servant, my father David. You spoke directly to him, and you fulfilled your promise by your power as it is today. God promised David that his son would build a temple for his name, and God brought that to pass by his power. Our God is a promise-making, promise-keeping God. And he has the power to bring the promise to reality. You ever feel stuck in prayer, then I encourage you, take a look back at the last year and think about the ways that God has actually answered your prayers and come through for you in the past. When you look back and thank God for what he's done for you in the past, it lifts you up for a new day of expectation that God will do things for you in the future. The Bible says the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning, and great is your faithfulness. When we remember God's faithfulness in the past, he lifts us up for the future, for the new mercies that he has for us every single morning. So Solomon looks back, and then he looks forward in his prayer, and he asks God to do in the future what he has done in the past, and that's to keep the promises. Verse 25. Therefore, Lord God of Israel, keep what you promised to your servant, my father David. You will never fail to have a man to sit before me on the throne of Israel, even if only your sons will take care to walk before me as you have walked before me. Now, Lord God of Israel, please confirm what you promised to your servant, my father David. We know that God fulfilled that promise in Jesus. Jesus would be the king forever. But at the time, Solomon could not see Jesus. And so he asked God to confirm what he promised to David. Now, Lord God of Israel, please confirm what you promised to your servant, my father, David. And then there's silence. And then Solomon listens and he 
waits to hear God speak. He is still. The Bible says, be still and know that I am God. And if you ever have a day when you feel unsettled or overwhelmed or exhausted and you do not know what to pray, then be still. The Bible says, be still. There's an old hymn that I like. It's called, be still my soul. And the first line says, be still my soul. Why? Because the Lord is on your side. He is God. He's on your side. He will order your life and provide for you. He will help you bear your grief and pain. He will be faithful to you always. He will lead you to a joyful end. In your prayer, you can ask God to confirm what he has promised you and allow time for the Holy Spirit to calm your heart and your mind and speak to you. I think it was last week, Pastor Brandon said, the average person takes five minutes for their mind to stop worrying and thinking and running and to actually listen. And so I would encourage you, like he said, maybe give God eight minutes or ten minutes so that the first half of your prayer is just like shutting down your mind for a minute. And then at the end, maybe you can hear God speak. Maybe you won't hear his voice, but maybe you'll hear him by his Holy Spirit. Give God time to speak to you and know that he is God. And he waits there, and he waits there, and he waits there. And then you know what comes to his heart at that point in his prayer? This is verse 27. This is the greatest verse in the whole prayer, in my opinion. This is what the sermon is about. Verse 27. I loved when Pastor Brandon said two weeks ago that when you go to God in your prayer, don't dress up. Don't put on a face. Don't use your best words and don't hide things from God, but just be real with God. And Solomon, verse 27, he's just real with God. He says something that is unexpected. He says in verse 27, and this is a question, but will God indeed live on earth? Even heaven, the highest heaven, cannot contain you, much less this temple I have built. I find it interesting that God, in the course of this prayer, seems to work on Solomon's heart. If you look earlier in chapter 8, in verse 12, Solomon said, I've built a magnificent temple for you, a place for you to dwell forever. In verse 12, he says that this building that he made is magnificent. And he says, God is going to dwell there forever. But God changes his heart in the prayer. And in verse 27, he sees that no building is magnificent compared to God. No building is ever going to be suitable to house God. And God is not going to live there forever. It's an amazing building on its own. But compared to God, it's nothing. It's Solomon's greatest work. But compared to God... It's filthy rags. The Bible says all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Yet, O oh Lord, you are our father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. So when you pray, allow God time to work on your heart. And when you're praying about your dream or your life or your work, or what you're worrying about, then lift your gaze up above those things. Lift your gaze to God. And he will help you to see that compared to him, those things are small. He's got it under control. He's got it in his hand. 
He's bigger than all of that, and you yourself are the work of God's hand, and you belong to him. There's one other point that I want to make about this verse. The Ark of the Covenant being moved into the temple symbolizes God's presence there, and God's presence was there in a special way, but God's presence is everywhere. So when Jesus was talking to the woman at the well, he said, A day is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem where the temple was. Jesus knew that he would soon be lifted up on a cross and he would breathe his last and the curtain of the temple would be torn in two from top to bottom and the special presence of God would no longer be confined to the temple but it would be poured out by his Holy Spirit for his people. And so now where two or more are gathered in his name, there he is with them. And so if that is true, then you know what else is true? He's with us right now this morning. Jesus is with you. Jesus is with us. Do you believe that? Because it's true. Finally, Solomon asks God to listen. Verse 28. Listen to your servant's prayer and his petition, Lord my God, so that you may hear the cry and the prayer that your servant prays before you today, so that your eyes may watch over this temple night and day toward the place where you said my name will be there, and so that you may hear the prayer that your servant prays toward this place. Solomon prayed that God would listen and that his eyes would watch over the temple night and day. When you have a relationship with someone, you may find yourself asking them sometimes, will you listen to me? And the same is true with God. We have a relationship with God, and we can ask him to listen to us. We know that he does listen to us, but we can still say, God, will you listen to me? We can speak directly to him anytime, day or night, and ask him to listen. The Bible says that he who watches over Israel will never slumber, and he will never sleep. He's on call 24-7. He does not charge to hear your prayer. It's free. We just need to ask God to listen, and you can do it any time of day, and you can believe that he does listen. Now, I want to say something about verse 29 before we move on. Solomon prays that God's eyes would watch over the temple day and night, and if we want to translate that for today, because the, the temple's destroyed. Has anybody been to Israel? I've never been. Anybody? No? We should all go. <laughs> the temple in Israel, the building is gone. So in light of Jesus, what does this mean? That God would watch over the temple night and day. It means this. The Apostle Paul said, Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you whom you have received from God. So when you watch God, when you ask God to watch over you, you're asking him to watch over his temple, the place where he lives. And not just you, but everybody who belongs to him because we're the temple together. When we pray it's not just about us. God cares about us. God cares about you more than you can understand. But he cares about us together. He cares about all his people. So this is what Solomon says in verse 30. Hear the petition of your servant and your people Israel when they pray toward this place. He asks God to hear his prayer. And this is very subtle. Hear the petition of your servant, that's him. 
and your people Israel when they, play, when they pray toward this place. When you pray for a cause, when you pray for peace or justice or mercy, when you come to the hillside prayer meetings, realize that you are praying and God's listening to you, but he's listening at the same time to everybody who's praying for the same thing. Your prayers are multiplied before God because we're not alone when we pray, and God hears all his people together. In Revelation, we're given a picture of the prayers of God's people going up before him like incense. And the idea of a prayer being compared to an offering of incense that's not unique to the book of Revelation Psalm 141, David asks God that his prayers would be set before him like incense. That is a fantastic picture of what prayers are like. They're like little offerings to God, and they're strong, and they're hard to forget. Incense is strong, and it's hard to forget. And if you have a bunch of incense then it's very strong, and it's very hard to forget. Has anybody here ever been to the Celestial Seasonings Tea Factory in Boulder? <laughs> this is something you used to do back in the day. I looked it up online. It's closed. It's shut down for the moment, maybe indefinitely, so don't go there after church. <laughs> but I'll tell you, I went there a long time ago, and I remember this to this day. I was just a kid. But they had this room in there called the peppermint room. Has anybody been in that room? Yeah. So you go in the peppermint room, and it's like you're at the North Pole or something. You breathe in these bags of peppermint. I don't know why they let you go in there. That's kind of weird. But you breathe in the bags of peppermint, and you know what it does to your sinuses if you're like not breathing well that day? You feel like you can breathe again. It's like better than any medicine I've ever tried before. And so if you have one bag of peppermint and you bring it home and you put it in your room, you think your room's going to smell pretty strong? Well, what's going to happen if you have a hundred bags of peppermint like they did in that factory? Then it's going to be super strong and it's going to be super hard to forget. And the point about all of this is that God can smell our prayers. That's not like literal. It's just like figurative. God can smell your prayer. And if you offer your prayer to God by yourself at night, God hears it. He smells it. He does not have a sinus problem at all. But when he smells a thousand prayers asking him together for the same thing, you know what that's like for God? It's like super memorable. It's very strong. It's very touching. It's very hard to forget. And God hears those prayers that you pray together. He hears the collective prayers. So keep it up and don't quit. And remember, even if you're praying by yourself, you're never praying alone. The last great thing to do in your prayers is to ask God to forgive. Verse 30. May you hear in your dwelling place in heaven. May you hear and forgive. Even after a great prayer, even after you have precious time with God, even after you've shown him your best, you still need to ask him for grace and forgiveness. We need forgiveness every single day. Jesus taught us when you pray, one of the things you should include in your prayer 
is that our Father would forgive our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. We ask God to hear us when we pray, and we ask him to forgive us. That should always be a part of our prayer. And this is the question this morning. How do we know he does? How do we know that when we confess our sin and ask God to forgive us, how do we know that he forgives us? We know he does because the Bible says he was delivered over to death for our sins and he was raised to life for our justification. We know God hears our prayers because he sent Jesus, the way of the Son of God, into the far country. We know he hears our prayers because he died for us, the judge who was judged in our place. And we know we have forgiveness in him because he did not just die. If Jesus would have gone to the cross and died and they put him in the tomb and we could go to Israel and see the bones or at least see a plaque that says, here lays Jesus Christ, how would we know that our sins were forgiven? The sacrifice was great. He gave everything he had. How do we know that was accepted by the Father? We know because on Easter, he was raised from death to life. We know that Jesus Christ is alive and therefore our sins are forgiven. And I have a question. Do you, do you believe that? It's something between you and God that you have to reconcile. When you pray like that, you go forward into your day confident that God has heard you. You may not have all the answers and you will not have all the answers but give it a little time and you will see that God has heard you. Solomon's question just needed a little time. This is the best verse of this whole thing. Verse 27, he asked, Will God indeed live on earth? The answer did not come immediately. It did not come in his lifetime, but it did come. Will God live on earth? He answered that question. God said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. But will God live on earth? Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. Even heaven, the highest heaven, cannot contain God. But will God live on earth? The true light that gives light to everybody was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. But will God live on earth? And here's the answer, finally. Nobody could have ever expected this. The philosophers could have never expected this. The philosophers said, God lives beyond our categories of space and time and language, and we can't know him, and he can't be with us, and we can't be with him. Too bad, so sad. And you know, it is true that heaven, the highest heaven, cannot contain God. He is beyond our categories of existence. 
But nobody can tell God what he cannot do. And God made himself known to us in Jesus Christ in space and time. And he spoke our language. He came down from heaven to live with us on earth. The word became flesh and made his dwelling, his tabernacle, his temple among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. We never could have expected that. Solomon never could have expected that, that God would answer his prayer like that. And you may be sitting here this morning wondering if God even hears your prayer or cares, and you've prayed for the same thing for year after year after year, and you've been waiting so long and it seems like no answer will ever come. But God will answer your prayer one day. And it could be really soon. It may not be the answer you expect. But God hears and he's preparing an answer. So keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep praying. Keep looking back on Jesus. Remember that he came. He answered Solomon's prayer. God did dwell on earth in his son Jesus Christ. And he's with us now by his spirit. Keep praying. Keep looking forward to Jesus. Remember that he's coming soon. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look! God's dwelling place, his tabernacle, his temple is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. You can take it to the bank. God will answer your prayer one day. Let's pray. Lord, we praise you that you hear our prayers night and day. We praise you for coming into our world in a way that we can actually know you in the person of your son, Jesus. We praise you for the forgiveness that we have in him. And Lord, I want to pray specifically for the people here this morning who have been praying for something for years, maybe decades. And it seems like some nights the prayer bounces off the ceiling. I pray, we pray together that your Holy Spirit would touch their heart and mind and assure them that those prayers, every single one has been heard by you, that you have taken it to your heart, that it matters to you, that you are preparing an answer for them. We pray, Lord that you would assure them that the answer is on its way and that by your Holy Spirit, you would lift them up and propel them forward and persevere them to the end 
to the day that they see that their prayer was heard by you and you have an answer for it and it may not be what we expect but it's a beautiful thing when we see the way in which you answer our prayer one day we praise you for your goodness and mercy in our lives and in your name we pray amen Thanks for tuning into the podcast this week. For more information on Christ Community Church in Southeast Denver, visit ChristCommunityDenver.org.